0: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Novum Insightful. Um, I'm here with an old friend, Rob Gaskell, um, to talk about his new company, Apple, um, which is becoming a pioneer in the DeFi space or decentralized finance space. I've known Rob for many years, and he's pretty unique in the crypto world in that he's very experienced in the finance industry, but also very experienced in the crypto industry. And it's a it's a rare combination to have someone with four to five years of crypto experience that also has a deep financial services background. So, Rob, it gives me great pleasure to welcome you. How are things going with Apple?
1: So. Apple is actually a company that I started with my business partner and we had some other people working in our company as well um, in the middle of last year uh, after, as you said, many years working in the venture investment area of blockchain as well as um, a startup in the cryptocurrency space, being a Wallet, and that was a pillar project, which is still going very well and um, is now actually a gateway to DeFi, which is fantastic for, um, for what I'm working on now on my latest venture. But Apple was started as, as an investment and advisory company in the emerging technology area, but we had a long, lot of focus on digital assets and blockchain because of my background. And we got approached by uh, companies for projects related to it, as well as help some companies with investment, and also structuring and growth. During that time, there we had two investment groups, actually, that came to us, both of them saying that they wanted access to digital assets for their investors themselves. What would they do? And how would they do that? And are there vehicles that they could invest in? We decided to set up something called Apple DeFi. It's a brand new company that we've just set up. The partner we have is a broker and a a financial services company that wants to take this project from its initial seed capital to a listed company on a London based exchange. I have been in financial services a long time, but I must admit I've never actually worked uh, for a listed company. We will be a single stock, and this is a company with a single stock which will give exposure to the decentralized finance market, which is, I believe, I know you do too, Toby, is a huge growth area and has a lot of growth and opportunity to come over the coming years. And we hope to capture that growth with this company, which uh, we will be using the capital we raise to effectively run our own treasury management and further the capital growth of the company by, um, by this money we get from the investors that come in from not only from this financial services group, but also further investors we potentially have that buy shares in our company in the future.
0: Now, it's an incredibly exciting plan. I can I can definitely see the sort of next phases of uh, DeFi taking place right now in this conversation, right? Um, <laughs> Rob, what, what, what's most exciting to you about the different DeFi projects? Obviously, you've had your key experience at Pillar, which I guess is a gateway to the world, like you say.
1: What, what, what's exciting you right now? What's exciting me is innovation. If you really go down the rabbit hole of understanding what's going on in decentralized finance and areas and sectors within blockchain, if you have... These sometimes quite young people, innovators, coming up with fantastic ideas of how they could take an existing financial model, say lending, using software, replace what would normally be a hugely manual process in a financial institution with checks and balances and other things that they have to put in place and risk modeling have to put in place, all built into the software. And if you innovate using software and only have a small team, you can keep your costs extremely low and bring the benefits of the financial model to bear that allow, say, higher rates, better access, easier access to people. Um, the democratizing of blockchain projects and cryptocurrency and digital assets is phenomenal, isn't it? And anybody in the world can get access to this. We've seen this with countries now making announcements around Bitcoin with El Salvador and others, which is incredibly exciting. But And then when when people dip their toe into using Bitcoin for certain things, just as I did many years ago, and then Ethereum for many things, and you get excited about that, you start to learn more. And then you realize there's actually financial innovation and models that you can use to expand your business. Uh, If you get some capital from your business that you're generating, and you want to then put that to, to work and actually generate interest, you can do that with DeFi. If you try and do that with traditional finance right now, it's very hard to to generate returns. There's huge amounts of excitement across the DeFi world. What I find as well, what I also find super exciting is there's still lots of innovation to come. I mean, we're only touching the surface, I feel, about some of the things that could be done with, with decentralized finance. There's so much more that can be done.
0: No, incredible. And, and I definitely agree with you. I mean, we, we did a DeFi calculator. We we looked at like like the most boring area of crypto was in some ways the most exciting, right? Because the idea that you could get a 8 to 12 to even more percent on something that's sort of tracking the US dollar from a portfolio composition point of view makes a ton of sense, right? And, and I think um, I've always advocated very strongly, going, look, you've got to use these new tools. And what was especially pleasing to me was in June, July, the crypto market took an absolute hammering, especially Mm. in late May, June. And it was, was, as ever in crypto, a pretty scary moment. I mean, what, Bitcoin was probably down 50% more or less.
1: Altcoins as well, yeah.
0: But if you were keeping... USDC on Aave or maybe DAI on Aave or mm. um, a Uniswap USDC DAI pool or whatever it might be, the interest rates went down because the transactions weren't there. Volumes but down, yeah. mm. um, essentially, there was no systemic problem. And I guess that's, it was a good stress test, I would say. I
1: don't know yeah. if you- no, exactly. I mean, I think there wasn't. There wasn't. I was most nervous about some of the DeFi projects. Really, when you when you see that, if, if volume starts to go or credit starts to go, or in some of these protocols, what would be the impact? You're right. There was good stress tests during that time. What I've also found is interesting in that time is that, um, you know, where what caused that. I mean, I don't know if you looked into it, Toby, but a lot of research has now gone into why there was that kind of correction there was a lot of over-leverage, and some of that could have been caused by some of the DeFi projects. If you're getting, you know, 7 8% by giving money, that DeFi project might be lending that out, lending it to someone that would basically then go and trade crypto, getting themselves what's called over-levered. If you're overexposed to a market, you can be exploited. And I think that there was big evidence of a lot of over-leveraged positions and over-leveraged uh, activity which were exploited, which caused that correction to happen. So I, I wasn't necessarily worried about the correction because we see these all the time. And I, was, I knew that the market would come back, and it always does, because we're just still in this phase of growth. What, I'm, what I was concerned about was some of the projects and whether they would be able to sustain that. And you're right, there was a stress test, and they all seemed to be able to keep going. And I think that's a really good example and not talked about much, actually, about the stress test in the DeFi market.
0: Yeah, no, I, I was definitely hold on to your hats and, and sort of brainstorming the risks around it, right? And it was really interesting to us. Um, it was slightly annoying because we, we built a whole tool set tracking Uniswap. And then suddenly Aave and Compound became the hottest projects in, <laughs> in the DeFi market. Uh, But
1: Uniswap still, by volume, is still by far the greatest if you you add V3, V2, and V1. It was based on
0: TVL, based on TVL, right? Mm. And this was
1: in in a bear market? For your your listeners, TVL is total value lot. What Toby's saying there is the amount of money is in a DeFi project. If it's money for lending or interest-bearing products, how much money is in there? The amount of money can go in and out of those projects it can also affect the revenue and profitability of the companies that provide those services.
0: It was a fascinating period. The DeFi market is currently going through a big revolution. I guess what's interesting is, is now the bull market's back in force. Arguably, like, the attention of a lot of the crypto market has moved towards another branch of decentralized exchanges and, and, and where things are going, but the so-called non-fungible token, the sort of unique representation of uh, one token attaching to particular things or data um, rather than sure. something fungible, right, mm-hmm. um, and divisible, easily mm-hmm. divisible. What's your take on the whole NFT boom and OpenSea is now like three times, four times the size of Uniswap maybe in right. terms of volume. What, where, where, do you think, where do you think that's going and what does it mean for your vehicle?
1: Well, we're, we're really going to be focusing on the financial side of, of de- decentralized finance. Um, we do recognize there's a lot of hype around Uh, NFTs, non-fungible tokens. It does have a place in certain markets, certainly in the game market. Um, Top Shops is a a very important initiative for the NBA, I believe. Uh, There are initiatives that could happen for things like Formula One. There is already an NFT of a fantastic Formula One car, which a a friend of mine was involved in a transaction over. Tony G, who's a big person in the poker as well as Bitcoin space, was um, one of the people that uh, bought one of the first NFTs in, um, in Formula One world. So there are certainly sports, football and uh, soccer, American football, uh, baseball. All, all of those sports, games and other types of things, there is definitely a market there, collectibles and, uh, and others. Then you've got the whole artistic element, which is interesting. But uh, for me, as someone from finance, I find it quite hard to understand. I don't. I find it hard to value those types of pieces of non-fungible token art, especially if you're, you know, if you're, if it's something that's created purely digital. Um, if it's representing a physical piece of art, then that's different again because that has a different that has value. But so generally, uh, it's not something. Uh, to be honest, I think about a lot. Um, I don't get hyped up about it. I get more excited about what can be done, what we can do with finance and how we can help people around the world with finance as well. I get very excited about that. And I guess you
0: talked, Rob, about having, as well as utilising the yield-bearing capabilities of um, the DeFi platforms and stablecoins, about having some of the the blue-chip DeFi projects that are more volatile tokens in your portfolio. How you value those networks and how you value those tokens is slightly more complex. From the steward of capital and the representative of a, a company that is getting exposure to these different projects, what's your rationale for getting involved in those kinds of things and where do you see the value lying?
1: Yeah, so- it is hard, quite hard to, I would say, it's quite hard to actually value them. Um, when I said that we look for some projects potentially undervalued and we would we, invest in those, this is where we're looking for other types of metrics, things like uh, user, user count, volume. You mentioned about seas volume. When you see um, projects in the space where their volume of activity Total log value is another indicator, but, but it could be just purely volume, daily volume. If you start to see that creeping up, then you know that the project itself is going to be making more money. Uniswap, as an example, takes thirty percent, doesn't it, of, of fees that are generated through the user, user Uniswap platform? But if if daily it's making you know, a few million in uh, in fees, then you know that Pro- Uniswap is going to be taking quite a big chunk of that themselves. Uh, if that volume decreases over time, that's just one indicator we could look at, then effectively, you could see that Uniswap becomes overpriced. I mean, I don't want to give too much investment advice. And I also don't want to give too much of the things we do in Apple, DeFi, you know, and our our processes. But literally, there are a number of indicators we can use to try and value these uh, and see whether they've got potentials for short to medium term um, growth. Uh, or we feel like they're overvalued because, effectively, we're starting to see uh, money switch to other projects.
0: Very, very interesting. So, and obviously, Rob. I mean, you're, you've been in the crypto space for five years, roughly. Thanks to you, I, I got to meet Tony G, who's a great hero, uh, just as. He's an sort of exceptional personality in his, mm-hmm. his world. Crypto does expose you to, to pretty interesting people. What's the journey been like?
1: Oh, well, yes, absolutely. It's fascinating to meet some of the people uh, in the industry. One thing I'll say about all the people I've met in the industry, is actually a really nice industry to work in. Everybody's very friendly and um, and also extremely sort of humble. Some, some people in the industry have now become extremely wealthy through crypto, but they're still willing to help you in any way, or they don't go and sort of isolate themselves on an island somewhere. They actually do still work in the industry, even though they've made significant money. And I know some people who've, who've become effectively you know, multi-millionaires or even billionaires from, from being in cryptocurrency and having an early investment in, say, Ethereum or an early investment in Bitcoin. But they're still they're still working as a normal. Uh, they don't flash, they're not flashing their cash. They haven't become arrogant with their money. They're still very humble. And I like that about the industry. Um, and they're still extremely accessible, which is which is really nice. And uh, I I hope as people become more successful in some of these projects, so that this carries on. I don't know if you agree with that, Toby. Um, I think it's an amazing industry to work in when you consider. A, working in some of the traditional areas where you're very kind of sheltered. You know, this is actually a very open industry.
0: No, I 100% agree with that. And, and it's, um, what, what I love about crypto, right, is, is sort of, I, I sometimes compare like um, the Bitcoin white paper to sort of Martin Luther banging his <laughs> sort of document on, on a church, right? Like, it's that element of the space that fascinates me. That's what makes people really nice, is there's a shared belief that there's a better way of doing things, would you say? or
1: I think that's it. I think everyone that's in the crypto space, that's working in the crypto space, has almost certainly read the white paper, the Bitcoin white paper. Once you read the Bitcoin white paper, and anyone that hasn't is listening, I strongly urge you to read it. It's not complicated, but it does tell you a different way of thinking about um, transacting value, money. Once you read that, and people know that you've read it, you you start to have a different you know, belief on the way things can happen. And how money can be effectively shared around the world. If you understand that, just that principle, you're immediately almost of like part of the club, aren't you? You know, being part of the club is actually a nice feeling and it's a warm feeling, and everybody gets on very well.
0: 100%, and um, definitely echo, echo those sentiments. I guess from a technology standpoint as well, Rob, we, we've talked a lot about the stuff in the Ethereum ecosystem. Do you have a view on other chains in DeFi? What, what's, your, what's your take as an organization on where things might be going and DeFi on Bitcoin or whatever it
1: is? We're we're happy to look at all uh, of these areas. So, yeah, DeFi on Bitcoin is something that um, is extremely exciting. And then you've got other chains as well. So, and other networks from private ones like Binance, Smart Chain, through to you've got Solana and others that are are picking up Polygon. You've got Polkadot. There's quite a lot of work going on with Polkadot. And you've got new protocols like uh, ICP, Internet Computer Protocol, as well as a project that I really like—a very small project, but it's—I think it's got some long-term potential. There's a company called Verus and Verus Coin, and what they're doing—they've so got a complete new network, and they've got a, effectively a connector that connects into Ethereum, where you can run DeFi protocols on Ethereum as well as Verus, with an innovative kind of staking mechanism and other things that they're running. It's yeah, there's there's Innovation coming from all angles, isn't there? And you wouldn't restrict it and say, I'm only going to look at Ethereum-based projects. Ethereum certainly still is the biggest. The majority of DeFi runs on Ethereum. And the prospects and look forward on Ethereum is still looking good with the innovations that are coming in Ethereum. Recent one, and then the, the big one, which is the move to Ethereum 2 there are some significant advantages uh, coming with Ethereum. So I'm still very long Ethereum, but yes, there's uh, other other projects and other platforms and protocols which are fascinating to see how they innovate. And if people start to use those as uh, platforms for decentralized finance, then of course, we'll look to see if we can get some opportunity of growth there.
0: Amazing, amazing. Well, Rob, it's been a very wide-ranging conversation. Um, I think we could go on for hours. Um, but, but super excited about the new uh, Apple direction. Um, you've, you've done a great job at every company I've known you to be involved in. So I'm super excited about this. Um, I, obviously, I've been watching Apple since day one, but but now you're up and running and and really in the market. It's gonna be an exciting time, I'm sure.
1: Thanks so much, Toby, really appreciate it.